This is The Playbook. We're about to have a real lot of fun because uh, we have one of my favorite people on earth and he's always gracious with his time and of course his own mindset. Uh, he's helped more people than you and I combined, uh, which uh, I take pride in how many people I, I've helped and I'm admir- uh, very, uh, I admire how many people in your life as well. But this guy, add us together. Uh, you cannot believe how many people he's impacting today and has in the past. Welcome to Game Set Life, my dear friend, the incredible Tim Story. But what an all-star team you got going today, guys. Not bad. Tim, I gotta, I, go ahead, David. I was gonna say I, got, I I had to do it at the big stadium with the big with the big uh, players. So uh, there is no doubt. Anyway, we we always start with Rick Macy setting the stage. <laughs> Uh, he has yeah. one of the greatest intros prepared. So, Tim okay. Story, Rick yeah, first, Macy, welcome welcome. welcome. welcome to the show. It's an honor. Listen, I always try to find common threads, even though we all do different things. There's so many common threads. And let me start with number one. Venus and Serena grew up in Compton with an amazing story. You also grew up in Compton, yes. but you're an original story. So that's number one. That's number one. You idolized Billy D. Williams for his smooth style and demeanor. And when I taught Serena a smooth style, trust me, she was meaner. Okay, so there's number two. Number three, you got to really pay attention to this one. It's a little trickier. We're just a few hardworking Buckeyes from Ohio who wrote books. You visit Ojai. You write books. Made a few bucks. People read with their eyes. So that's number three, but the leader in the clubhouse, the final common thread, okay? You're a life coach, a speaker, and a pastor, okay? David's a life coach, speaker, and he shows people greener pastures. And when I taught the Williams sisters, the game plan was to take you out to the pasture. So now that we got that out of the way, welcome, Game Set Life. You're the leader in the clubhouse. I'm turning it over to Dave. Yeah, Tim, and I am so blessed to have both of you. They always say, if you're the smartest man in the room, you're in the wrong room. So I'm definitely in the right room. I I uh, watched a few people consistently, and Tim's story is one of those people uh, that I learn from on a daily basis. And his understanding of mindset and mentality and the way that I describe it is, Tim's story has empowered me to give a different meaning to my life. And that's a very important thing, uh, the meaning that we give our lives. And if we can change someone's meaning, we can change their life. And I just want to thank upfront Tim Story for giving me a different meaning to my life and creating miracles in my life by giving that meaning to me. How important is it, Tim, uh, in the miracle mentality to help people give a meaning aligned with where they think they want to be? Number one, thank you both for that introduction. Rick, that was creative. (laughs) You deserve it. No, listen, I read your bio, man. You're like, you're the best. And I got to say this about our friend David Meltzer. I was in the Philadelphia airport just 30 days ago. And uh, I was sitting down uh, at the bar area eating a salad with salmon on it. And there were three Reach TVs behind me. And uh, David show was on, but he was on three giant screens in this restaurant. 
And I was so proud of my friend because he's in 90 airports around the world. I wanted to kiss all three. <laughs> Thank you. So, David, you are everywhere at one time. And, Rick, what you did with the Williams sisters is uh, amongst us as African-American uh, people who came from setbacks to come back. We applaud you. And I mean that with my whole heart. And Thank so uh, appreciate your work and what you're continuing to do. All right. So, David, I'll answer your question, okay? I feel that... So many people get caught up in what I call the mundane, the messy, and the madness, and they miss the miracles. When we were kids, we lived in the miracle mentality. Even if you didn't have much money, you found a way to do stuff that was miraculous. If you didn't have enough money to buy something or go somewhere, we created games in our neighborhood. Isn't that true, guys? Absolutely. And so what I have found is that so many people got caught up in the mundane, the regular, the status quo, the messy, the disheveled, the madness, the chaotic, and they're missing the miracles that are right there. So every single day I teach people how to pay attention to all the miracles that are already there. They're already present. They're already around us. Now, well put. Go ahead, David. Yeah, I was going to say, and with within uh, focusing in on what we don't want, as you look at the mundane, we don't want mundane. We don't want messy. Uh, we don't want mad, right? We we want certain things, but so many people don't allow. They limit themselves as if they were born into. Uh, these things and therefore every chance they get to extend their own experiences beyond what other people think uh what's missing what they don't have what can we use as a practice in order to facilitate uh what we had when we were young which is the ability to see past where we are and pursue i want to be a professional blank i want to be a president, I, you know, th these are the things that five and six years olds, they talk about and they don't allow themselves to say, well, they said I can't do it or, you know, th this is missing or this is what we don't have. Instead, they pursue their potential. What can we do today to help people regain the miracle mentality? I think the power of observation is so amazing. The fact that you have my stadium behind you does something to me. It makes everything grand. It makes everything big. When I was in Compton, California, and it was third grade, and we had rainy day schedule. Do you guys remember that? Oh, yeah. And the teachers would keep us in. Well, my teacher, Miss Sullivan, she started showing these pictures of Europe, you guys. And one of them she showed was a place called the Eiffel Tower. But these slides were going so fast. We had slides back in the day. The slides were going so fast. And I said, Mrs. Sullivan, said, can you show that other one again? Which was the Eiffel Tower. And one of the kids uh, next to me teased and said, oh, Timmy, you're never going to go there. And I thought to myself, oh, Timmy is going to see that big old thing they call the Eiffel Tower. 
So I remember the first time I saw it in person, you guys, I was 22. I was already like life coaching people and speaking like as a missionary in churches. And I went there like on this missions job to, to France. And I went to the Eiffel Tower. And man, when I saw that big old thing, I got so emotional. But it was observation of that rainy day schedule and seeing the Eiffel Tower that said, this is what I would like to do. I want to go see it. That's awesome. I have a question. Did you call that guy that you knew in third grade and said, I'm here, buddy. I'm right and you're wrong. Okay. No, I know you wouldn't go there, but I want to back the truck up. When you got out of high school, you were speaking to 85,000 people at once. The first yeah. question I have, why not 86,000? No, I'm just kidding. Well, that's like, that's mind boggling. Can you share that with everybody that's watching? That's like, that's uh, amazing. I really feel like my story is a Forrest Gump story because I was in seminary and a, a guy that was like the John Maxwell of his day, uh, he invited me to uh, come overseas with him, first of all, to Nigeria. So I was, I was 20 when I spoke to 13,000 in Nigeria. And then I went to Sarabai, Indonesia and spoke to 32,000 people. And then I went to the Philippines and spoke to 38,000 Catholics. And then it just kept going and going and going and going. And by the time I was 27 is when I spoke to 85,000 people based on the John Maxwell of, of, of his day. And so that was because uh, somebody cared about me. Same thing in Beverly Hills. It was Lee Iacocca who said, you teach me about faith and I'll teach you about business. I was 26 years of age. It was Quincy Jones when I was 27, said, Tim, I got you. I'm gonna back you up. It was Quincy who called Oprah nine times. Oprah said, I was getting tired of hearing your name. Quincy <laughs> Jones called Oprah nine times and said, you've not met anybody like this kid. We gotta put him on. And so, I've been a little bit of a Forrest Gump, and I'm really thankful for it. And you speak, awesome. of, you speak of faith, and unlike me, you were a faith-based speaker uh, early on in your career. Um, and for me, it's the most powerful thing in my life. But it took me a little, I'm not as smart as, like I said, you guys. So it took me a little bit longer to catch on. And for me, there's a foundation of faith. And when I talk about faith, I try to speak of it in a non-religious, non-philosophical, theoretical, or even a spiritual realm. I try to simplify things for people. So uh, this, what I call system of unified, abundant, uh, infinite thought that we all belong to really propels, protects, and promotes us. And that's what created for me the basis. And you were one of the people that, you know, reading your books and listening to you, I was able to get a good grip on the fact that why not just, you know, believe there's something bigger than me, an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source, whatever you want to define it as, but that source of omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source, it has to love me more than my mom. And if I know that no matter how many setbacks, failures, mistakes, lost matches, lost money, pain, any struggle that exists in my life, every single day, 
that my whole life would change with faith that I'm being protected and promoted by something that powerful that loved me that much. Do you, through all the years of speaking with faith and teaching people about faith, do you have a simple foundational explanation that can help people like me that may be living, as I told my mom, I said, I, I'll never forget, I might break up crying right now. I said to my mom, when I lost everything, I said, mom, I don't, my mom's very religious. I, I said, yeah. I, I don't believe in God. Mm -hmm. and she looked, she looked at me and she said, son, you believe in God. You believe in the wrong God. And it, it, it hits me today because yeah. it set me into a path and I'm not going to miss the opportunity having Tim's story on here with another mentor of mine, Rick Macy, without you helping me to empower more people by explaining maybe simply how we can empower people with the same paradigm shift that I had of faith in a simple term that's inclusive of everyone. I, I love what you're saying. And, and, you know, when I watch you speak, you are light. When you're speaking, you are light. And part of that reason is you're made in the image of God. And I always say this, that an utmost God did not create almost children. And so when David Meltzer takes the stage, you are you are light uh, because you're made in his image. But we're made in his image and his likeness. But I do believe this, that as we learn to decrease and let God increase, even more light begins to come through us. It's almost like a 30-watt bulb, light bulb, or 40 or 50, that the more I allowed myself to decrease with my own ego and let God increase in me, it's like my light began to uh, manifest stronger and more divine doors begin to open. I personally believe, Dave, that one reason that you are becoming so worldwide, and I was just with Grant Cardona at 10X and kept hearing your name over and over and over again, where people were saying, Oh, I saw you with Dave Meltzer, Dave Meltzer. I'm telling you no less than 10 times, okay? And you weren't even there. So how do we, how do we increase this faith? I believe that for all three of us that are here, uh, that God tagged us. It's like the game, Rick, tag, you're it. When Rick was a child, God tagged him and said, you're it, buddy. Wait, speaking of tag, when we played tag at the academy, I got to say this. And this is true. Serena played with a closed fist. I said, whoa, 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 Serena. No, no, we got to keep the hand open. But go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I had to get that in there. And when I told her that at the after party, she was crying. It was like epic. But go ahead. Yes, but 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 life tag Rick. Uh, uh, life tag David Meltzer, life tag Tim Story. And so. I believe that God tagged us and put his little special boom on us. And so I wanted to, I wanted to find out more about this God who tagged me because it was in the sixth grade when my teacher said, Timmy story, can you stay after class? And I said, yes. And Mr. Probert, who was a white teacher teaching in a black neighborhood said to me, little Timmy story. He said, you are brilliant. He said, and life is going to use you to touch so many people. 
he said that about me in the sixth grade. So I wanted to touch a God that had tagged me. So that was my looking for God early on in life. Well, first off, I love that teacher. And David, we've talked about this. The power of motivating others and believing in a child can change their life. They remember those gold nuggets. So that teacher, I love the guy. So that's amazing. And I love the fact that, Rick, you have been that white guy in the inner city uh, that has inspired so many people uh, with this idea of a unified system of thought, this unified system of love, of unity, uh, that we can empower people with that light. Um, Rick, maybe you can land the plane with a question about how it, either through an experience of yours or Tim's, you know, we're able to cross some segregation or separateness that exists and barriers that, you know, two inner city girls and especially Richard Williams somehow had faith in you driving into, you know, Inglewood and moving them out to Florida. Uh, is there something that comes to mind that can help us all understand the unity uh, that can see beyond the color uh, that, that our epidermis is? <laughs> well, first off, if your heart's in the right place, okay, I just looked at him as two little girls, like my own daughter, and he was my best friend. I didn't look at it any other way. If the rest of the world did, that's their problem. Okay, I just looked at it like that, Okay, I kept my eye on the ball. Nothing was going to stop us because I knew I had two people that the mom and dad hit the genetic jackpot. We kept our eye on the ball and outworked the competition. They could change the game and become number one. So I didn't look at it like that ever. And I don't to this day. You know, that's just the way I am. Okay, if other people are different, that's their problem. I just it was about those two little girls. It wasn't about Richard Williams or Rick Macy. It was about those two little girls. And when you can laser focus like that, good things are in the oven. That's going to come out. And, and Tim, what do you think it is that, you know, at such a young age, people saw in you or even in your 20s for someone like Quincy to call Oprah nine times and nine times, <laughs> which, you know, that's not just seeing something that that's a calling that, you know, I'm in a position or Rick's in a position or Quincy was in a position to go ahead and elevate somebody else to elevate ourselves that it, it definitely was a, a calling. You've had callings with other people. I know that you've elevated. What do you think the difference is between seeing something in somebody, but then taking the next step and having a calling where like Rick Macy begs, borrows and steals to go, you know, make sure that the Williams sisters are what they, their potential is. What, what yeah. do you think that, that difference is? I think you both are going to like this. There's a difference between a burden and a mandate. A burden is that I see somebody and I have a burden for them and I say, I, want, I think I might want to help them, but if I can't find them on the phone, then maybe I lose interest. A mandate is you know that you know that you know you have been commissioned to help that person. I believe that God doesn't just give a burden. He gives a mandate. Quincy Jones cried one day and he said, why did I take you in that way? Why did I know that you were it? Why did I put so much time in? And I said, Quincy, do you think it could have been God? And he started crying. He says, it was God. So for, for Quincy Jones and for so many people, it was not just a burden to help 
little Timmy story from Compton. It was a mandate because all three of us were commissioned to change millions of people's lives. We are changing millions of people's lives. It was a mandate. On that note, there's no more that can be said. If you want to read, write, or listen to the right story, read, write, and listen with Tim's story. No pun intended. I could <laughs> listen all day long, my friend. I can't wait to do more with you. Uh, whatever TV show, podcast, content, all you got to do is ask. And most importantly, I would love to see you in person very soon. Thank you for taking your time and sharing and empowering your message to so many people. You're changing more lives than we can even imagine. And I know uh, Rick Macy and I are certainly appreciative of your time. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, Jim. Jim. See you Thank later. You. Thank you. Thank you, buddy.